Welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 10.45 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Just pray this prayer in your heart with me. Just pray along with me. Whatever it looks like in your heart. So Father, we just say that today, God, we recognize we don't have it all together. God, we have broken vessels. We have broken vessels that don't have it all together, but yet you do. And so, Father, we, we find our life in you. We don't find our life in these broken vessels. We find our life in you. We don't find our life in broken circumstances. We find our life in you. So, God, for the person that can't give themselves grace today, we pray that you would give them grace today. The person that can't fall into your love today because they don't feel like they deserve it, God, I pray that you would extend your love, Father, to where they can't refuse it. To the person that's been begging for healing, begging for redemption, begging God for freedom in you. Would you show them, God, that your hand has been extended the whole time with the free gift that you've been willing to give them. They just need to take it. God, we don't look, we're not looking forward. We're not looking ahead. We're not looking forward. We're not, we're not saying that I'm going to look for tomorrow, God. We're not saying that yesterday, I got to dwell on yesterday going to dwell on yesterday, we're just simply saying right here in the middle, right on this day and in this moment, we get the God of the universe. We get the God of peace, the God of love, the God of joy, the God of hope, the God of second chances. We get you. How many love you some Jesus today? Amen. Oh, man, God is good. I'm going to invite the ushers. Come on forward if you guys would. Um, we're going to take up our offering. And as we do that, man, I, I am just encouraged to, to be with you guys today. Um, it's cool to be around family and just encounter the Lord together. And that's what I feel like today has been. So thank you guys for that. Um, yeah, as the ushers come forward, let's just pray with the offering. Father, we know there's lots of prayer requests that are out there. Lord, we ask that every person that's carrying something in their heart would know they're not alone and that, Jesus, you walk with them. And so um, we thank you for that, Father. Lord, as we take up our offering, we say the same thing at Reliance every single week because at the end of the day, we want this to become our DNA. We want this to be what people see, Jesus, when it becomes the offering. We don't desire to build Reliance Community Church. We know that this building is just brick and, and mortar. It's just a metal building. God, we know that the kingdom of God is so much greater than this. We thank you for the facility, God. We thank you for the way that you've given us this. We thank you for the expansions that you'll do one day. But at the end of the day, God, our heart and passion and desire is to partner with you in kingdom building all over planet Earth. 
So God, will you take this offering and will you send it far and wide? Will you help us to know the missionaries and people to sow into, God, with this offering? God, we, can we send it to places where somebody is out there right now? Maybe it's some distant foreign land. Maybe it's right here in our back, backyard. Somebody's been praying, Lord, that you would supply my needs according to your riches and glory. And we can become an answer to that prayer. God, we want to sow deeply. We want to see so, so, so widely, God, that the gospel message is going to the ends of the earth locally, globally, all over, Father. So thank you for the opportunity to be able to partner with you in that. Take this offering, do with it what you want. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen? Amen. And amen. All right. God is good and all the time. Amen. Amen. If you're with us today and you're a visitor, welcome to Reliance. It's good to have you guys um, in the house with us. We call ourselves a family, and we don't just say that as a token thing to say, hey, we're family. We truly desire that. If you missed announcements, which... I'm guessing about half of you guys did. Um, uh, we, we want you to know that um, this isn't the pinnacle for us. Sunday mornings isn't the pinnacle. What we're after more than anything is that you get involved in some type of a life group, some type of a, an encouragement group, such as a women's ministry, men's ministry, where you've got smaller groups that you're doing life together with. And so um, I want to encourage you, if you haven't found one of those groups over the next couple months, again, just to hit that again, those are going to be coming up end of August and September. Uh, I want to encourage you to join one of those. Um, if you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, we, um, if, you, if, if this is your first time with us, let me just kind of tell you where we've been. Over the summer, we've been walking through the book of 1 John and kind of taking some themes in each chapter and um, kind of going through the book of 1 John and, and trying to see what the Lord's speaking to our hearts. And so um, kind of the theme of all of 1 John is what? Love. All right, much better. 9 a.m., was, it was muffled, all right? There was like two people that said, love. A little nervous there. But the whole theme, kind of a first John, is love and what that looks like to walk in love. And so really, the, the central part of that love, though, is that God loves us, right? So it all starts with that. God is love. God loves us. And so then from that, then the rest of it is, what's our response to that? How do we respond to God's love? If God is love, what's our response? And so then our response back is that we love you, God, more than anything else. We don't love the things of the world, God. We love you more than anything else. And then we love other people well. We want to love each other. We want to love our brothers and sisters. And we want to love people that are outside of these walls that have never encountered Jesus. So we want to love well. And so we said kind of at the end of this thing that our, our goal is that if you were to rip open the church, rip open the roof, and you were to peer down, what would you see coming out of this body of believers? And it would be a love affair with Jesus and then love for one another. Amen? And so it really just fulfills the great commandment, love God, love people. And so that's, we wanted to walk through this this summer so that everything else that we do this year will be built on that. You won't struggle following God's command if you love Jesus. Amen? Like you won't struggle with loving each other uh, if, if we love the Lord. And so we just know that this is kind of foundational for us. And so in this next section, 1 John chapter 4, starting with verse 16 and then forward to, to 18, we're going to see some scripture that we're familiar with, and we're going to camp out on a portion of it. Here's what it says. 1 John four sixteen: God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Let me just stop there for a minute. He says, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. I just want to stop there. I'm not talking about this today, but I want you to recognize this. There will be a day that we will approach, and it will be called the day of judgment. Amen? 
And in that day of judgment, we don't have to fear that. We don't have to worry. We don't have to tremble and be like, oh, I'm so nervous, the day of judgment. We can have confidence because Jesus showed us how to live. Amen? So the goal of John is he's going, look, look, we are not, because he's going to go on and talk about this here in just a minute. We're not living in fear, but we can have confidence because we've had a great witness, and the witness is Jesus Christ. I want you to get that down. Now look at this next part in verse 18. There is no fear. Somebody say, no fear. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out, some of your versions say, casts out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. The one who fears is not made perfect in love love. Let me just tell you, I love this scripture. It's a popular one. And so we're going to camp out most of our day today on perfect love casts out or drives out fear. Let me just ask you, anybody in here ever deal with fear? Um, Every hand, put every hand. There we go. Much better. All of us in some way, shape or form deal with fear. Do you guys remember growing up those shirts that used to say no fear? Did anybody ever wear those shirts? No fear. Like five of us. That's awesome. Okay. Um, I, I, we, we grew up in a small town. Those no fear shirts, you were like the cool of the cool if you wore them. I had one, okay? And so um, we used to wear those shirts, no fears. All of us deal with fear. It's a natural response that keeps us alive, amen? Like we all de- deal with fear in some way, shape, or form. Everyone in here has to deal with it. I, it's what keeps us, we, we were in Oklahoma City this weekend, and it's what keeps us, we drove by the zoo, uh, away from crossing the fence where the lions are at, you know, the protective barrier, and taking selfies with them next to the cage. Do you guys read those stories of people who cross the barriers so they can get next to the cage and take the selfie, and then they get mauled, right? There's two things that I have with that. There's a little bit of compassion and a little bit of, your kind of not normal, okay? I was going to say stupid, but I don't want to say, okay, moronic. How's that, okay? So there's a part of me that's going, that's a healthy fear. That boundary there is to show you there's a healthy fear of something that's in there. There's a healthy, don't get close to it. It's not a kitty. Don't get close. So there's a healthy fear in us that all of us have. So we were in Oklahoma City, and we took the kids to Whitewater Bay. You guys know what Whitewater, Whitewater Bay? Yeah? It's kind of like an oceans of fun, and and so we get there, and it's a cool little water park, and we kind of walk in, and we immediately, the kids and I, we eyeball these two slides. Um, they're, they're slides that are about 60, 65 feet in the air, and they have a 90-degree drop-off, all right? One of them's called the Atomic Wedgie, I believe is what they called it. And I was like, from the ground, from the ground up, I looked at it, and I was like, guys, let's go to those slides. The lines were busy everywhere else. I mean, all the other places had lines. Nobody was going down these two slides. Nobody, right? And I'm like, let's do it. And from down here, we were like, yeah, let's do it. And we charged up. You got to walk up the huge tower. It's like 70 foot tower. And we get to the top and I was like, and I look down and there's, it's green slide. And literally it's a 90 degree. Just, I look down. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't do that. Right? (laughs) Immediately fear gripped my life. And my kids were like, dad, come on. You said you were going to do it. You said, I was like, I've done things like this. You guys do it first. Right. (laughs) And Tyson, who's usually my adventurous one that would like normally jump on there. He's like, I ain't going down there. Right. (laughs) And so they were getting ready to turn and walk away. And then that moment I was like, come on, come on, Aaron, you can do this. Don't be an idiot. You know, like I'm like trying to psych myself up, show them who you are, you know, kind of a thing. And so I remember getting on that slide, and we're arguing, you know, with one another, who's going to go first? And the attendant right there is kind of looking at us like, you guys are all morons, kind of a thing. And 
And we're sitting there, and so I was like, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. What do I do? He goes, well, make sure you put your arms in, because if you leave them out, it'll rip your arms off. And I was like, really? Really? Thank you. So, so I crossed my arms, and I went down the slide, and it was exhilarating. I want you to know, it was exhilarating. It was awesome. And it was an atomic wedgie, but it was awesome. And I got off of it, and I just remembered, my, there was a time where that wouldn't have been an issue. There was a time where, when I was younger, like we jumped off cliffs at Table Rock that were crazy. We, you know, snow skiing. There were times where nothing stopped us. We wouldn't even look, just got on it and just went. But with age comes wisdom. Come on now, if you get nothing else. With age comes wisdom. And I remember, man, I rolled off of that slide. It's like, first of all, I said, thank you, Jesus, I'm alive. Always give glory, right? Thank you, Jesus, I'm alive. And then I look up there and I see the tiny little faces of my three others. And I'm like, come on, guys. They're like, uh-uh, no way. And then one by one, each of them got on the slides, one by one, whoosh, one by one. Whoosh. And Trace, you got to know my Tracer. He doesn't, he's not big on like roller coasters. He doesn't like scary things. And so this was a big thing for me. I, I have a lot of faith in him, but in that moment, I thought there's no way he's coming down this thing, all right? And Trace gets on the slide and goes down, and I see him, and, and, and he gets to the bottom, and he rolls off of the slide, and he just puts his face on the ground, and he's breathing heavy, <sighs> which was enjoyment for a father, all right? And he's breathing heavy. I was like, buddy, good job. Wouldn't respond to me. I'm like, like, buddy, good job. Still wouldn't respond to me. I'm like, Trace, and he looks up at me with a smile, and he, goes, and he goes, dad, I faced my fear, right? Oh. And as a father, I can tell you in that moment, it was exhilarating, not because we had gone down that, but because we faced our fear. Amen. Let me just tell you something. We got on that slide over and over and over again. It became the slide that we loved to ride. If you ask my kids, what was your favorite slide? They would tell you the atomic wedgie or whatever it's called, right? They would say, that was our favorite one. Why? Because it was exhilarating. Looking from the ground up, it didn't look so scary. When we got to the height and looked down, it was, it was terrifying, all right? It was terrifying, but here's the thing. We almost missed out on our favorite ride because of fear. And I wonder sometimes in our life, knowing that all of us have fear in our life because we all raised our hand, I wonder how many things we miss out on because of fear. When I asked you, do you have fears? And some of us, you'd say, oh, I've got fears of spiders, and I've got fears of snakes, and you know, I, I have a fear of flying, I have a fear of heights, I have a fear of all these things. What John is addressing in 1 John chapter 4 here, he's not addressing those kinds of fears. All right? There's some health to some of those fears. Like we don't want to be, you know, again, we don't want to be going into you know, pits that are full with snakes. We don't want to be doing those things. There's, there's some healthiness in that. What John isn't addressing isn't that kind of fear. What John is addressing here is the spirit of fear that can take over your life. What John is addressing here is the spirit of fear that can dominate you. When fear becomes a permanent condition, it can paralyze your spirit from moving forward. When fear becomes a permanent condition, it can terrorize your heart and it can stop you from doing the things that God is calling you to do. When fear becomes a permanent position in your life, it literally steals the joy away from you. Amen, church? And so John is addressing in our scripture here today this verse where he says that perfect love casts out fear. Now, I just want to make note of something. He says, perfect love casts out fear. Let me just, so that none of us in here have to worry about where that source comes from. Perfect love does not come from the world. Amen? 
Perfect love does not come from a spouse. Perfect love does not come from your best friend. Perfect love does not come from a guru. Perfect love does not come from books. You can't read about perfect love and say, I've got perfect love. Perfect love comes from a person, and his name is Jesus. If you are dealing with fear in your life today, if you're dealing with anxiety in your life today, if you're dealing with feeling like you are rendered paralyzed because of fear, and you're looking for all of these places where you can get fear out of your life, and you're going, somebody help me, somebody help me, the somebody will always be Jesus because it's perfect. He's perfect. The love that he gives you is perfect. People can give you advice. People can give you a helping hand up. But if you're looking to eliminate the spirit of fear, it comes from perfect love, and that's Jesus Christ. That way that no, nobody in here has to feel like, I've got to find the right person. The person is him. I just want to make sure that you get that. Perfect love casts out fear. Don't take that out of context. Perfect love is what eliminates fear, not stupidity. Amen? That's why you're not stupid when it comes to Don't take this out of context. You can't start chasing bears down the mountain in Colorado going, I've got perfect love, you know? I right, don't, don't do that. Perfect love casts out the spirit of fear within you. Okay? So here's what we've got to deal with then. We've got to deal with in this place that there is a reality of fear, first of all. Okay? So all of us in this room have to deal with this identity. There's a reality of fear. And the reality of fear is this. Fear will dominate your life if you let it. I'm going to say that again. Fear will dominate your life if who? You let it. Fear will dominate your life if you let it. The Bible doesn't paint a picture of God's people living without fear. I want you to understand this. The Bible doesn't paint that picture. In fact, there's no such thing of, of the reality of living without some fear in your life. There will always be some fear in your life. In the Old and New Testament, you read about stories that are dominated by this theme of fear. In the Old and the New Testament, think about that for a minute. Some of the main biblical stories that you and I camp out on, that we teach our children in children's church, that we teach our youth in youth ministry, some of the main stories that we deal with have fear in the underlying of their story. You have the disciples in the Sea of Galilee, and the waves are crashing over the boat, and Jesus is resting in the front, and the disciples are what? Full of fear. They're worried. They don't understand why Jesus is resting in this moment at the front of the boat when they're gripped with fear. His perfect love, the perfect love of Jesus and how he saw the Father cast out the spirit of fear. Jesus knew he was going to be okay. The disciples did not. That underlying theme of fear was in there. Then you've got Old Testament. You've got David and Goliath, one of our favorite ones. Saul did not go fight Goliath because of the spirit of fear. He was fearful of Goliath. The Israelites hid in the clefts of the rocks and didn't come out and fight the Philistines because they were fearful. So David, full of the Holy Spirit and full of Jesus, a small boy walks up and understands the perfect love of God. And in that moment, he says, why are you afraid of this giant? He insults the living God. So I'm going to go out there and I'm going to take care of him so we know how the story goes. But in that story, the underlying thing of what kept those people away was fear. And then in both of those stories, the overall theme was Jesus conquers fear. <laughs> Jesus is the one, that, the one that overcomes the fear that grips your, your life. Fear took hold of their lives, and they couldn't allow themselves to believe that God had them. And I wonder how many of us in here allow fear to come into our life, and there's a part where we stop believing that God really has us. We stop believing that God really has us. If we allow fear to dominate our life, I want you to hear this, church. If we allow fear to dominate our life, it will keep us from experiencing his plans. 
Goliath stood in the way of the Israelites conquering the Philistines. If we allow fear, it will keep us from God's plans. If the disciples were in the boat and all they saw was the waves and they turned back, they wouldn't have experienced what was on the other side of the shore with Jesus. Because in your life, I want you to understand this, in your life, you have an inheritance that God is trying to get you to. You have an inheritance that God is trying to move you towards. You have an inheritance that God wants you to understand. That's why Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of He's not. That's not your inheritance. God did not give you that. God did not give you a spirit of fear. That's not what he's lavished upon you. That's not the inheritance of God to you. God has not given you a spirit of fear. That's not what he wants you to have. But he gave you something else. But of power and of love and of sound mind. Listen to me, church. Today you have an inheritance of power. You have an inheritance of love. You have an inheritance of a sound mind. So if today you're operating out of a spirit of fear, you're walking in the wrong inheritance. Amen? Amen. And it's time to change that inheritance in for the one that the Lord has for you. That's a promise, an inheritance that something, something is given to you. That's a promise of God. It's an inheritance that somebody needs to grab onto this morning. A spirit of fear was not given to you, but a power, love, and sound mind. There's an acronym for fear that we've talked about in here a few years back. Fear, F-E-A-R. Fear stands for fear, F, false, E, evidence, A, appearing, R, real. False evidence appearing real. It's a lie. It's a mirage. That mountain that looks like it's in front of you, it's a mirage. At the end of the day, if God can move mountains, it's a mirage. Amen? At the end of the day, the spirit of fear that grips our life that says you can't walk on your purpose, it's a lie. It's a mirage. At the end of the day, that spirit of fear that tells you you'll never measure up and you're not worth anything, it's a lie. It's a mirage. It's simply not true. And so fear is a false evidence appearing real. It looks real. I think that I see something in front of me that's keeping me from my destiny, but God can eliminate that mountain. And he has eliminated that mountain. Some of you need to grab hold of this truth this morning because that's what's keeping you down. The problem with fear is that most people, most people, including myself, most of people make their fear more powerful than they are. So here God says that my inheritance is power and love and a sound mind, and I'm making my fear more powerful than those things. Some of us in here make our fear more powerful than our callings. We make our our fear more powerful than our hopes. We make our fear more powerful than our dreams. And so then we wonder why we have no purpose. Why we're not walking in the destiny that God put in front of us. In 1 Peter 5, 8, the way that Peter describes the devil, he says, Be alert and sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That's the goal of the enemy right now in your life. He's looking. He's, he's literally looking. He's going, where is your mind? Where is your heart? Who can I get? Who can I bring down? I'm going to prowl around. I'm going to find who I want, and then I'm going to try to devour them. That's his goal. That's what he wants. But look at the promise here, church. In verse 9, this is what we do because he's prowling around like a roaring lion. Look what verse 9 says. Resist him. We can resist the lion. The spiritual fear that we have inside of us, the spiritual lion that tries to come in and devour us, that spiritual fear that's rising up, that spirit of fear, we can resist it. Look what he says. Resist him. Standing firm. Somebody say firm. Standing firm in the faith. 
standing firm in the faith. I don't have to allow the spirit of fear to come over me because I'm going to resist him by standing firm in the faith. And what's the faith? That God loves me because God is love. And perfect love does what? Casts out fear, drives out fear. So I'm going to stand firm in the truth of what I know to be about him. Understand this. The lion, it says in 1 Peter 5, 8, the lion is prowling, but he's not prevailed. Amen? The lion is prowling, but he's not prevailed. Several years ago, I was reading an article this week on, on a, uh, this guy several years ago that was a televised, televised circus act. It was on TV. It was with Bengal tigers. It was a live broadcast. The, the, the tiger trainer went into a cage with several tigers. He was going to do a routine performance. The door was locked behind him. The spotlight was put on him. The, ca- the television camera zoomed in. There was a live audience. Everybody was in suspense. The trainer went in there, started to do the whip, and he's got the chair, and he was having him jump through the hoops. And right in the middle of the performance, all the lights went out of the entire building. For 30 seconds, the trainer was locked in a dark cage with Bengal tigers who can see in the dark. And he had a whip and he had a chair and he had no idea where they were at. The tigers could see the trainer, but he could not see them. After the event was over in an interview, the trainer was asked how he felt about the situation in the cage. Sometimes people ask ridiculous questions, right? (laughs) He first admitted to the chilling fear of the situation that he was afraid and fearful but pointed out that the tigers did not know that he could not see them. He said, I just kept cracking my whip and talking to them until the lights came back on. They never knew I could not see them as well as they could see me. And I think about that in our own life in Christ for just a minute. Right now, there are lies that are speaking to you and fears that are speaking to you and the spirit of fear that's trying to rise up and say, I see you, I see you. And sometimes you don't know which direction it's coming from. All you know is that you got a whip and a chair, and if you keep cracking that thing, God has you. Amen? Amen. And you're speaking to it. Listen, perfect love casts out fear. You you don't have me. Perfect love chases you. I'm going to stand strong and resist by standing firm in my faith. I love that analogy because when fear begins to dominate our life, everything gets out of perspective. Amen? When we feel dominated by fear, our perspective changes. It distorts life. Fear distorts your life and everything in your life. You don't see things the way that God sees things. I think about this in all the years of ministry and meeting with people, and it's so crazy how you can see a situation, and people may come in from youth to to, to college age to older, where you come in and they share their experience, and what you see is you're like, oh, but look at the goodness of God here, and look at where God moved here, and look at where God moved here. But the spirit of fear tells you there's nothing good. The spirit of fear says there's nothing good in that and that you'll never get out. You can look at two different, you can look at one thing in life and see it with two different perspectives because it distorts your life. God did not design you to live in fear and intimidation. In fact, he fashions you to live boldly in his love and his power. Intimidation and fear, what that does in your life, it stifles the gifts that God has for you. When, when fear comes in and that intimidation comes in, it stifles what God gave you, deposited in you, the gifts that he's given you. When you allow that fear to run your life, it stifles that. But boldness in his spirit ignites those gifts. Power, love, and sound mind. Amen? 
When we begin to walk in boldness, I want to come back to that again. In 2 Timothy, again, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. And so first and foremost, when we talk about the reality of fear, I want you to understand this. That when we talk about the reality of fear, we're not talking about something that we're just trying to will away. We're talking about a spiritual warfare, a spiritual battle. Graham Cook says it best. Do not think that fear is a state of mind. Do not think that fear is an attitude that can be willed away so easily. It is a spirit, and it must be confronted spiritually. If right now today you've been going, oh, people are just telling me to get over my fears, and I just, I've got this, man, spirit of fear in me, and people are just saying, just change your attitude, just will it away. Listen, then we're confronting it the wrong way. It's a spiritual issue, and we've got to confront it in a spiritual way. How do we confront it in a spiritual way? Perfect love casts out fear. We've got to confront it with the love of God. We've got to confront it with what we know about the victory of Jesus Christ on the cross. We've got to confront it about what God says about us. We've got to confront it spiritually, not just hoping to somehow will it away as if it's not there. The battle is not against flesh and blood, Scripture says. Fear keeps us from stepping out in faith. It overstates the size of the task that's in front of us. It causes us to doubt, and it causes us to doubt the capability that we'll ever overcome. And so how do we capture that fear? I want to share this with you. Fear is only as strong, and I say this again that we said earlier, fear is only as strong as we empower it to be. It is strengthened by the lies that have sprung up from the past, hurts of offenses, maybe something you never confronted in your life. You've allowed to become anger and bitterness. You've allowed to, to kind of well up inside of you, and so that anger just keeps going and going and going and going and going, and the spirit of fear becomes a stronghold in our mind. When you give in to fear, you're placing your faith in it instead of God. In order then to combat that, in order to combat the spirit of fear, Scripture says that we have to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. I'm going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and I know you're familiar with this. We, I love this verse. We read a lot. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Now, here's the key part of this to me. Listen to this. And we, somebody say we. 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 Somebody say we. 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 That's you and I. We're not giving, we're not giving power anymore to our fears. We only, fears are only as strong as we empower them to be. Look what it says. And we take captive forcefully. We take captive. If something's being taken captive, you're taking it forcefully. It's not saying that I want to go. It's not eager to go with you. You take captive forcefully every thought, and you make it. Somebody say, make it. When you make something do something, it means it doesn't want to do it. You make it. You don't say, well, it's on your timeline. I'm going to make you do this, but it's on your timeline, right? I'm going to let you do it gently. I'm going to bring you through the ch- When it says, and make it, you forcefully take it captive, and you make it do what you want it to do. And look what he says. And you make it come into obedience to Christ. You make it. It's a spiritual warfare. You take that spiritual thing of fear, and you put it in front of a holy and a pleasing God. You put it in front of the God of the universe, and you say, here, spirit of fear, you've got to deal with this guy. And I promise you, it flees. It's a spiritual warfare, church. And here's the key to that. 
the key to that then is this, that we then have to look at our relationship with the Father and make sure that it's a right relationship with the Father. And that fear and anxiety that's welling up within us, is what, it's what keeps us away from God. We get to a place where we're just like, I just don't feel like I can approach God. The, the answer for you to deal with the spirit of fear is to draw near and near and near to him. So it comes into relationship. Your relationship with God is the key thing in this. You're not the key thing. He's the key thing. You've got a role. You've got a role that you have to play, but he's the key thing. And so the more that we draw into the relationship with God, the reality of fear becomes more of the reality of his love. The reality of his love says that perfect love casts out fear. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Ann Voskamp in her book, A Thousand Gifts, says this. This is good. Listen to this. All fear, all fear is but the notion that God's love ends. <laughs> I read that and I fought that this week because that's not where I was at, all right? It's like, I love you, God. I love you. Don't tell me that. I love you. And then I'm reading this and I'm like, but do I think that your love ends? Because I've got a little fear inside of me. Let me read this again. All fear is but the notion that God's love ends. She goes on. Fear strikes us down deep into our very existence, causes us to question God's love. When we let fear take hold of us, it's because we have not allowed love to have its way within us. Ah. I'm just going to go on. Just hang on that for a little bit, okay? Here's the thing. For, for most of us in this room, and, and we would say, I love the Lord, I love the Lord, I love the Lord, I love the Lord. But the question is, is do you receive the love of the Lord inside of you? Do, you? do you receive the love of the Father? How great the love the Father has for you that he has lavished his love upon you? Fear says that you're forsaken. But fear is a lie. But I want you to understand something. It wasn't always a lie. Before Jesus went to the cross, fear was legitimate. There was fear of punishment. There was fear of judgment. Before Jesus went to the cross, fear separated us from God. Before Jesus took our place, fear separated us from God. We did have a legitimate fear before Jesus. The spirit of fear was real. The wages of sin was death. That's what we deserved. And then Jesus steps into the scene, and Jesus takes our place on the cross. And in the last breath that he says, it is finished. He broke the spirit of fear and gave us power, love, and sound mind. Amen, church. That moment that we stepped up to the cross and Jesus says, it is finished. In that moment, the spirit of fear was broken in his name and victory was his and he gave us power and love and sound mind. We walked into a new inheritance where we did have an inheritance of the spirit of fear. No longer is that our inheritance. He says, God did not give you a spirit of fear. He gave you a spirit of power and love and sound mind. This right here, church, to me, is the key when we're looking at fear and we're going, Lord, how am I going to deal with this? This is the key. And all the times that you look at your, your life and you feel that spirit of fear coming in, you ask yourself, what do I believe about the love of God for me? And let me tell you why. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, 8, love never fails. And I'm wondering if sometimes we wonder if God's love has failed us. If God's love wasn't enough to get me through. 
Jesus' way of teaching his disciples and his way of teaching us to overcome fear and anxiety and frustration and lies isn't to pull us out of our circumstances. I wish it was. Oh, man, I wish it was. I wish Jesus' way was just to pull us out and say, look, I've got you. I'm just going to pull you out. But that's not how you read in Scripture. Rather, how you read in Scripture, Jesus' way to deal with fear is to walk beside you while you walk right through your fear. Oh, man, I wish he had a different way. Amen? But his ways are higher. His ways are greater. He wants to show us how we can walk through fear, how we can walk through worry and get to the other side. And when we get to the other side, look back and say, what were you worried about? If he simply pulled us out every single time, we would deal with fear in our life every single day. But when we walk through the fear and we realize, it's a lie, it's a mirage. And we walk through it and we look through the things that are going to come in our life because you're going to have fears coming up. The spirit of fear is going to continue to try to come up in your life. You're going to be able to use the power and the love and the sound mind to speak to it. Graham Cook says it like this. The fruit of the spirit is more powerful. The fruit of the spirit is a more powerful force against the enemy than the gifts. You can defeat the enemy by living in the love of God. You can weary the enemy by your joy. You can depress the enemy with your peace. You can overwhelm the enemy with your patience. You can frustrate the enemy with your kindness. Just by being everything that you are for God, you are automatically against the enemy. <laughs> Listen to what he says. The enemy can't put fear on you if you're basking in the love of God because perfect love casts out fear. <laughs> oh, I love that. Romans 8, I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels or rulers nor things present, things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, anything in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. If you're asking yourself today, has God separated his love from me? It can't happen. It's not in his ability as God who is love to separate his love from you. I'm not saying that God doesn't have all abilities, okay? I'm saying that by his tenets of him being God, has love for you and that nothing can separate from him that love from from him to you let me just share this last thing and then the band can come up and, and that is that love then does something inside of your life it helps you to trust God more if we were just honest with one another it comes down to this most fear that builds up within us we simply don't know if we can trust God day to day we simply just don't know. I just don't know if I can trust you. I, I don't feel like it's a love issue, God, even though we know it's a love issue. It's simply saying, I just don't know if I can trust you. I don't know if, that, if, if, if you're, you're going to take care of my day today. I heard a quote that said, fear and anxiety are never going to lose their power over you. Listen to this. Until you can be honest about what drives them. Namely, that we struggle in trusting that God is good. And it's not that just trusting that God is good, because we talked about this last week in the goodness of God. Trusting that God is good, and then you say, and then I say, all the time. So it's not that we don't trust that God is good, we just trust, is he good all the time, right? Is he good all the time? It comes down to trusting in God. It could be something that marked you in your past. It could be something that you had hoped for. It could be fears that you have going forward. But you just wonder, is God trustworthy and good? And so there are three things as the band gets ready to play. I, I want to share three things on how we confront this in our life. Three ways in which you confront the spirit of fear in your life. Number one, you have to confront your fear honestly. Confront your fear honestly. 
If you have a spirit of fear that chases you around and won't let you alone, it's not gonna go away in just one day. It's found a home that it likes. If the spirit of fear is over you right now, confront that. Just confront it honestly. Look, I recognize in my life that I have a spirit of fear inside of me. I'm not walking in power. I'm not walking in love. I'm not walking in a sound mind. And so because of that, I'm just, I want to confront it. I'm confronting, I'm just being honest with you. I'm just confronting that. Some of us just need to be honest in front. Right now, I don't have it all together. It's like what we prayed earlier. I don't have it all together. Number two, once we confront it, we got to confess our fear. Listen to what it says. We need to confess our fear to the Lord. We need to listen to what He says about it. Listen to what Psalm 34, 4 says. I sought the Lord. He heard me, and He delivered me from all, somebody say all, my fears. I confess it, God. I've confronted it. I'm being honest. I've got, got fears inside of me. Now I'm going to confess it to you. I'm going to believe right here in Psalm 34 that as I seek you out and you hear me, you're going to deliver me from all my fears. And then the third thing is we're going to claim. We're going to confront. We're going to confess. We're going to claim. We're going to com- claim God's promises over that spirit of fear. Look at these three scriptures real quickly up on the screen. Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and of good courage, do not fear, nor be afraid, for the Lord your God, He is the one who goes with you and will not leave you nor forsake you. Psalm 118.6, the Lord is on my side, I will not fear, what can man do to me? Isaiah 41.10, fear not, for I am with you, be not dismayed, for I am your God, I will strengthen you, yes, I will help you, I will hold you with my righteous right hand. There's a time in our life where we just have to start proclaiming these things and claiming these things over the spirit of fear that's in our life. It's a spiritual warfare. One of the things that I love about my wife that she does so well She'll write these things down on note cards, promises of God, things that God says in His Word, promises that we know, and she'll put them all over the house. She puts them on our mirror in our bedroom. She puts them in the car. She puts them on the window seal above the sink. She puts the promises of God all over so that when the spirit of fear comes, we can look at the scripture verse and we can proclaim the promise over the spirit of fear. Amen, church? So if you're looking for something practical to do, I want to walk into your house and I want to see little note cards all over your place with the promises of God. And if we would do that for one another, if we would walk into each other's house and say, maybe you feel like you can't do it right now, I'm going to do it, right? I'm going to put them all over your house. I don't care if you're a neat freak. I'm going to take away your neatness. We're going to be messy. We're going to claim the promises of God over your life. And so here's what I want to do. This morning, I'm just going to close out. We're going to close out with a song and prayer. Worship, uh, prayer team, will you guys come on up here? Listen, if you're dealing with the spirit of fear inside of you, first of all, just confront it. Be honest. Confront it. And up here is going to be some prayer team members, and they're going to pray for you. And up here at the altar right here, this is just for you. If you just want you and God time, this is your time. If you want prayer over a certain situation, there's going to be some people to pray for you here in just a few minutes. But as we sing this song, what I want to do is I want you to confront your spirit of fear today. I want you to confess it to the Lord, and I want you to claim God's promises over those things so that when you walk out of here, you walk out of here with the inheritance of power and love and sound mind. Amen, church. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray right now that we would no longer, God, be bound to the inheritance that we once deserved. The wages of sin is death. God, there was a time where we should have been fearful. It was legitimate. 
The wages of sin is death. But God, because of what you did in your son, Christ Jesus, it says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. And so God, in that moment, you took the legitimacy of the spirit of fear and you broke it when you said it is finished and you gave us life and you gave us power and you gave us a sound mind and you gave us your love. And so God, this morning, if somebody's struggling in that love, struggling with trusting you, then God, this morning that we come and we receive it and we break the power that the spirit of fear once held over us. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen. Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.